Hello, welcome everybody to, to, to Who Knew. Uh, we're, we're back again. We're back doing do, doing the old stuff. We're doing we're doing old Who Knew episodes again after the the six weeks of madness that was flux. Um, I mean, thank you everybody for for all your kind words on on Who Knew Flux. It was it was a lot of fun to do, and thank you to all of the guests that came on. But we're back to it and. We're not quite done with Flux yet, because uh, my guest here today, uh, of course, is, as you, you probably already know, is the wonderful Pete Levy, who is a, a producer on Doctor Who Flux. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll start, before we get into the, said the, the madness and the excitement that is Doctor Who Flux, uh, I think we should take it back a little bit and and go to sort of the beginning of, of your journey. Um so were you were you a Doctor Who fan growing up before you got involved in the show? Did, have you have you been a fan for a long time, or are you relatively new to the show? Yeah, I mean Doctor Who was always part of our television landscape. I mean I'm very old, Josh. I mean I'm, I remember a time when there were only three television channels. So our, our so our um, I suppose our, our television viewing was quite limited. I mean you know it was it was a lot because there wasn't any online. Um, um, access, you know, it was the, the television day was was pretty much split, you know, in what was children's time, what was time for the grown ups, and then towards you know at the end of school time and at weekends and school holidays. I wasn't a super super fan of Who back in the early days. I mean, because you know I enjoyed you know shows like we we had a lot you know tomorrow people time slip the time tunnel lost in space star trek mm-hmm. uh, so there was a lot to choose from i mean doctor who was sort of one amongst you know a good a good catalog of of good yeah. shows some of which they brought back mm-hmm. right okay so so that's that's uh, that's quite interesting because obviously i think there is a, a con- conception nowadays that a lot of the people who work on Doctor Who were the, the intense fans back in the day. Um, but obviously, you, you, so you were aware of the show. I mean, what, what yeah. do, you, do you have like any early memories of the show? Like what, what Doctors you, you would have grown up watching or any, any specifics like in terms of stories that you might have just stuck in your brain slightly? Or yeah, it's more, I suppose for me, you know, my favourite doctors at the time would have been Peter Davison, obviously, Tom, you know, the, the amazing Tom Tom Baker, um, yeah. you know, watching watching Mr. McGann in the in the you know in the in the film version. That was that was fabulous. Um story-wise, you know, I, I I'm more of a I'm more sort of I was more character driven. So you know, the ice the ice warriors and the Daleks and all of those mm-hmm. guys. I mean I know it's an old cliche, but yeah, they all sent us to behind the sofa without, a, yeah. with, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. And um, um, more recently, I mean, I really, really got into the show when Russell, you know, first kicked it off with Chris Eccleston. Um, okay. I, I had the, uh, the the absolute pleasure of meeting Russell just before that started. So, so yeah, I stuck, I stuck with it from there. You know, thoroughly enjoyed you know, the arc and the journey that he set us all on, uh, little knowing at the time that I would end up working on the show for three years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it was it was such an explosion when it, when it yeah. came back. I feel like even, uh, like, even my parents who 
weren't massive Doctor Who fans growing up. Even they sat down with me to to watch it because um, it, it just felt like a bit of an event, especially in two thousand five when it when it came back that that it had finally returned. Um, so yeah. I mean, just, just I mean, running parallel to that, obviously you, you you're you're growing up obviously through based on on your answers for, for doctors, I imagine through the eighties and nineties. Um, how how did you get into the TV industry? Because um, I know that looking at, at, at just credits that I, I can see online, it looks like you've you've done a, a few different things in the industry, um, which have led you here. Um, but wh- where where did that all begin for you? Was it, was there any like spark or any inspiration that that made you go, I want to work in TV? Do you know what it is, Josh? I think you know when I you know when I whenever I'm asked uh, you know to to talk to students or to go into colleges or university now, my one big piece of advice is don't fret that you don't, if you don't know what you want to do. Um, because I, I probably didn't know what I wanted to do up until about 10 years ago. And I think, you know, and I would say, take it as a positive rather than a negative because it, that freedom will allow you to go in the direction that life sends you. So here's, so here's a brief point part of history then so I'm from a council estate in middle of Somerset one of five further education obviously a million years ago wasn't on our our horizon I ended up joining the army um, loved it had a great time made some uh, some great friends that I'm still friends with today Um, and I when I left the forces in the late 80s I'm always I'd always been creative I've always been a massive fan of television of telling stories of using our imaginations um, and I just happened to get a job at breakfast television uh, as part of the house services part of the admin team mm. um, and I spent all my free time in the graphics department you learning how to use the kit well, anyway, long story short, uh, I had some brilliant bosses back in the day uh, who spotted something uh, and I was sent away to Middlesex Uni to learn how to use the kit properly. I joined the I joined the department um, and that's where I got the bug, really. It, you know, about seeing some of the biggest names in film and television history um, uh, and, you know, watching previews of the show, seeing behind the scenes, seeing what we could do to to help fire that imagination and and yeah so that's that's where it started a long time ago yeah yeah no that's that's interesting so but again from from what i've seen so am i right in saying like you said there you started more in the the visual effects side of things is is that right yeah so um so television graphics was 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 my first foray and there from there I went into animation and visual effects because it was an emerging market at the time you know um I uh, you know I, I used to I mean I, I suspect not all of your audience will remember this but I used to uh, create Ulrika Johnson's weather maps on a piece of kit that cost 70,000 pounds um I I was fortunate enough to, to be asked to work on a show called Scrap Heap Challenge a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years ago. And I created all the animated graphics on that on a piece of software. Really? Yeah, the software yeah. cost me 90 pounds. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I um I grew I grew up on on Scrap Heap Challenge. I I grew up that weekends at my dad's would be Saturday nights, watch Doctor Who, and then 
Sunday mornings would be like stick on a stick on scrap heap challenge, top gear, things like that. Um, and yeah. we'd just sit and, and chill on a Sunday and, and watch stuff like that. So yeah, that's mad. I, I, I had no idea that you'd worked on that. Um, so yeah, yeah, the the whole graphics thing on 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 TV shows because I, f- I feel like it's one of those things that just sort of glosses over some viewers um, that you know that that someone actually has to sit and make all of these things. They don't just pop up out of nowhere. Um, you know, I, I think we get wrapped up on, in, <laughs> yeah. in the actual people on the screen a bit a bit too much. Um, so from, from there, I mean, yeah. Uh, do you know what, Josh? I think that's. Uh... Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. You sorry. go. I, I was just going to say. I th- I think that's a good thing. Sometimes I think you know. So so certainly with visual effects, potentially the only two occasions when you're going to notice them is when it's something that's completely outlandish. You know, like um, like the pating. You know that that's you know that can't exist. Oh no, maybe they do exist in real life. But anyway, so so it's something like that. Or when you see visual effects, and hopefully they've never been seen on Doctor Who, but but when they go wrong, when you go, oh, no, that really, I don't know why. I can't put my finger on why that doesn't look right, but it doesn't look right. And I think yeah. visual effects has grown so much over the last 10 years that it's an absolute art form now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think... Well, I, I have to say, I mean, again, I, I think I'm going to I'm going to link back to things that I've said in Who Knew Flux over the past six episodes, because um, I I recorded the last episode of that last night as we're chatting and I did chat in there and I said that I think the visual effects in in Doctor Who Flux are the, the best that we've seen. And yeah. I think the, the show has, in that sense, never looked better. Um, and I just, I, I, I was sat watching it the other day. I was when I was rewatching the Vanquishers, and I was, I was sat there thinking, like, if, like, never mind how I feel, because I mean, even if me, it, as as an eight year old in two thousand and five, watching this would would have been mind blown by the visual effects that that are on screen. I want to like, and then I think about fans who've been watching since the sixties and seventies, and and what it must be like to them to see Doctor Who with with visual effects like this. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, and again, I think it's it's the fact that on a re it was on a rewatch that that I really picked it up because I because it was so immersive the first time round and it, it held me so well, which is, is exactly what you'd want visual effects to do. Really, you d- you don't want to be taken out of the story by incredible visual effects. Um, but I, I think it's it's just so immersive. Um, yeah. And obviously li- linking that to Doctor Who. So am I right in saying you started as a visual effects producer on Doctor Who or was was there other roles in there beforehand? How, how did you get into Doctor Who essentially into working on the show? Well, so being based in Bristol, I spent um, a lot, you know, a number of years working, you know, as either a visual effects or an animation producer on big BBC natural history, uh, Nat Geo projects, which is, which is, you know, which is fantastic. Um, I joined, you know, the world famous Dean Egg um, um, as visual effects producer on Black Mirror from, from there was, 
Yeah, was was offered a chance then to join the team on series eleven, um, and was visual effects producer. You know, working alongside, I have to say, you know, some of the best artists in in the world. I mean, when you you know when you imagine, I, I worked with two fantastic visual effects supervisors, Mike Bell and Sheila Wickens. Um, you know, and our and our heads of department. You know, have worked on movies such as. The Marvels, the Batman's, Harry Potter, uh, Blade Runner—you know—the list goes on. Any any major movie that you would have seen at the, at the cinema over the last sort of ten years would have would have had Dean Egg's hand on it. So for so for me as a visual effects producer, having that talent available to work on you know on a show like Doctor Who was you know was an abs- was an absolute joy. So yeah, so I worked on series eleven and then series twelve. Uh, was was offered an opportunity to produce three episodes on series 13. I produced, you know, some short films and some commercials uh, in the past uh, and thought that, that it was the right time to maybe consider changing direction. And the, and the beauty of this was I knew, I knew Doctor Who, obviously. Uh, I knew that and had worked with all of the team, including, um, uh, you, you know, the, the you know, Ray Holman and his and his costume department and the lovely Claire and the makeup department and the prosthetics team. And I think that, you know, just to quickly sidetrack, I think that's the beauty of visual effects, the way it's developed now. It is working more collaboratively with the art departments, costume, yeah. makeup and all of that now. So so I didn't have to learn that. I, I didn't have to learn, you know, my way from this from the set to the canteen um, and to the production mm-hmm. office. So all of those things were already under my belt so so yeah so that that's where I made that leap and thoroughly enjoyed it as you can imagine yeah 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 I can I can, I can only imagine um I, I mean I, I feel like I I want to ask this question for myself because I I know bits and bobs but I, I think when it comes to roles in tv you have a writer and it's very clearly defined what a writer does and a director and it's very clearly defined what a director does but I feel like with a producer I, I've never it's never really been explained to me what the what a day in the life of a producer is like or what the day-to-day would be so from from your point of view as a producer um more in in general rather than even just on Doctor Who what what really defines the role what what do you think defines it I think one of the important things is no one day is ever the same. And I, you mm. know, and that, that's what makes it so interesting. I suppose in theory, the role is to work with the production team and ensure that the writer's story and vision is translated to the screen. So that, right. so that's, that's it in a sentence. Um, so m- my, my day and, and again, not specifically Doctor Who, but across the board, will be to start working with the script team uh, on, you know, story, story outlines, scene breakdowns, first draft through to, you know, shooting script, um, working, you know, putting a good team together. That's the director of photography and the, and the director and your first assistant director, working with every other head of the department to make sure that, that they get as much support and 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 you get as much uh, worth out of them as you can. Um, so, casting, costumes, finding locations, building sets, 
um, the the whole nine yards, I suppose, Um, and being on set, making sure that that everyone's supported, that that vision that the writer has, has entrusted us with it is, is seen. Um, and then after the shoot, it's then post-production to make sure that, that, you know, everyone gets everything that they need and, and, and that journey continues, you know, that will include visual effects. It will include a grade. It will include, um, it will, it will include, you know, the soundtrack. Um, and so we, when the writer is in, is included in that process, they know that what they've written is exactly what they'll see on the screen. And if, if it's a collaborative process, then you can help change that on that journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're essentially like you're, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're basically linking everything together. You're sort of like at the center yeah. of a, a big web of various different departments and it's all about yeah. guiding them on one path from start to finish, which is, I, I can imagine it would be, I mean, it sounds to me, I mean, you've, you've got a lot more experience of being a producer as I have, which is zero. Um, but it sounds like a, <laughs> like it would be quite an overwhelming experience and a lot, quite a lot to, to manage all at once because you've got to have your eye on so many different things. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think I think throwing Doctor Who, the, uh, the whole realm of Doctor Who, into that mix um, would, would just make it even madder. So, I mean, what 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 are your experiences in terms of being a producer on Doctor Who compared to to other things that you've worked on? Would you see? Do, do you think Doctor Who is is at all different? Or do you think it's it, it's harder or or easier in any way, or, or do you think <laughs> well, do you I, just I see mean, it as a similar role? I I think it was harder, and the, the only reason I say that is because we kicked it off during a pandemic. Mm. So obviously that makes everyone's job that that much harder um the weight of responsibility is is felt by everyone that's from chris to the production team we all feel that that weight of responsibility i watched television or i have watched television with my son who is a massive fan and shares this you know similar interest to a degree as i do with regards to what what we watch you know, we, we once spent a summer holiday visiting locations in Wales that, that we knew, you know, Bad Wolf Bay, for example, mm. you know, uh, um, and we would just visit those locations. So we, we were fans of the show. And, and I would want, if someone's making a television show for me and my family to watch, I want them to be aware that we are going to be watching it and we expect them to do the very best they can. I think we're all aware of that i think doctor who is unusual because of its history from 1963 Mm. and everything that it's done um with the tales that it tells um but i think yeah for this one in particular you know working in in a covid world was was probably the biggest challenge yeah i can can imagine and uh, I i think that as well uh, just just to talk more specifically about about flux and and it, the reception that it's had because yeah. I, I think 
from what I gather, it has been a, it's been very positively received. Yeah. Um, and I, th I think one of the things that a lot a lot of people have saying has said, including me, is that you know it, it's incredible that this has been able to have been made in a pandemic. And a, a, like uh, Beth, who I was speaking to yesterday um, on the last episode of Who Knew, um, when we discussed the vanquishers, we you know she said I, I wasn't even expecting a series of Doctor Who to be made until you know maybe. 2022 maybe even 2023 because of this this mad thing that's happened to us all this this yeah. crazy pandemic that we're living through and it was like the the fact that we're even getting it is is astounding to me and not even just getting doctor who you know i think it would have been you know you can you can go out and you can you can make doctor who but it, it's completely different to what we've seen before as well it it, it takes so many changes and so many risks with with the format especially um which has been well established basically since 2005 th th this is the biggest change in format we've seen for about uh, about 15 years or so um what, what was there like a conscious decision behind that because i know that i'm i mean i'm imagining that original plans that that were made had to be changed it around the pandemic um mm. so i mean was there a, a a conscious decision before the pandemic to do that or was it something that sort of was birthed out of the pandemic of well why don't we just try something different bearing in mind we've now got less time to work with and and you know the, these difficulties around us yeah i mean i think i i, I... I mean, I wasn't part of that executive production team when, you know, when these early discussions took place. Mm -hmm. And I certainly think that that the pandemic did shape the series insofar as it would be. The first thing was was we, we had to decide because I was brought on board before we started the production as COVID manager. So I had to work mm -hmm. with with the exec production team, with BBC Health and Safety, uh, with all our lovely friends on other productions such as Call the Midwife and Silent Witness and Casualty that were already up and running, working with the government, working with the Welsh government with regards to what we can and can't do. So the first decision was, can we make a series? Second decision was, is it going to be safe for all of everyone involved? Yeah. And thirdly, and as importantly, are they all going to feel safe? And I got to the point, Josh, where I, I was I felt safer uh, on set than I did walking around Tesco's. Right. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So, so I think from from to go back to your uh, earlier que uh, question and point is is I think that that the structure of the series was it it was we were going to return to. Um, to, to the same similar and same sets so that we didn't have to keep building uh, the team didn't have to keep building different sets and we could keep those safe uh, and mm. uh, 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 for everyone not just for cast but for the crew to work on um mm. that, that they were constructed in a way that allowed everyone to work safely on, on them that we we got out to locations i mean as you know doctor who has always historically had at least one overseas um, filming trip uh, during the series, obviously that mm. what was taken completely off the off off the table, and also with regards to returning characters as well. Um, yeah. So, but but I think Chris is always really keen on making sure that you know we tell 
the most amazing story with the most amazing characters and we take everyone on an epic adventure his words not mine um mm-hmm. and, and i think that you know i think i can't speak on his behalf but but i should imagine that if the limitations were such that he couldn't do that and he couldn't tell those cracking stories then then maybe maybe he wouldn't have done it but i think he yeah. i think he did i think he felt supported and i think the result was you know and you're absolutely right has been fantastically well received that you know that we managed to to do that yeah yeah i mean it's it, it it's been uh, as i said i i think coming from someone who's within the the, the fandom if you like and yeah you know, I, I i see a lot of of tweets from people and um obviously you're never going to please anyone everyone no. i mean um you are going to please anyone um you, <laughs> you, you know you're not going to please everybody all of the time but the the general consensus that i've seen is this has been one of the best series of, of Doctor Who, and I firmly stand in that camp as well. Um, that it's, it's one of my favourites since, since the show's come back. Um, and I just, I think the hype around it as well, I think I think there's, there's been a lovely sense of, and I think it may, maybe it's something to do with the pandemic itself in that, you know, the, the last series of Doctor Who we had was right before lockdown number one you know it finished like two weeks before we, we went into lockdown and then you know I, I think now that we're I mean we're, we're now creeping slightly back into to, to the the worst of it but you know now that we've got a little bit of of, of our freedoms back and you know that there's a bit more of excitement in the air of you know the the new year and hopefully we can we can start moving forward yeah, I just think the hype around this series and the excitement has been, you know, I don't think it's hit the heights, hit these heights since I was a kid, um, which is is lovely, um, and it's been it's been lovely to be a part of and lovely to to chat to people about. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, but behind the scenes, then I mean, because in terms of the specific episodes that you worked on, um, you've got Once Upon Time. Yeah. Survivors of the Flux and the Vanquishers. So it's a you, you've basically got half of the series there, um, and obviously those those ones you worked very closely with Azur Selim yeah. as well, um, who is a newcomer to Doctor Who, as you know as well in in terms of direction. Um, I've seen a lot of praise uh, heaped on him. I mean, what what was it like working with him? I mean, was it was were you involved in in the decision to to bring him on board and yeah, p- p- partly. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we've got a cracking, uh, you know, exec production team, Tracy, uh, Tracy Simpson, uh, series producer, Nikki Wilson, and exec producer, Matt Strevens. Um, and so they were all part of that process as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, as is, I mean, not only is, a br- is he a brilliant director, but he's very collaborative and he's a lovely person. I will never tell him that to his face. <laughs> but he is, a, but, you know, but he's a lovely bloke. And I think that we all felt, you know, we, we got, you know, we got, we managed to put a lovely team together. I mean, Phil Wood, who's our, who's our DOP, Charlie Curran, who's our first AD, you, you know, we, we all, we all bonded straight. I mean, that certainly as the night before the others got involved, we, you know, we bonded straight away. And, and it was that love of telling a story and, uh, you know, and creating that visual magic. And I go back to the point you made earlier on though, Josh, I think, one of the things that, that has helped make this series, particular series of success is when the pandemic struck, we didn't have much 
that we immediately had to look forward to. Doctor Who gave us something to look forward to, and it gave us an escape, an mm. escape off of this world sometimes. And I think we all grasped that. And and um, but yeah, no, as is a is a lovely guy to work with, and you know, it was that collaboration and that ease at which we communicated as well i think was 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 you know was particularly useful and also you look at the other episodes i mean jamie uh, jamie stone yeah is such a lovely man uh, you know and i think that i i mean i'd worked with jamie to a degree on other episodes as visual effects producer uh, um and you know, and as falls very much into that category of just being a decent man that you want to that you want to help and collaborate with as mm-hmm. well. So, so yeah, I tell you what, the 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 Dog Two production team are very good at putting n- decent people together. Yeah, not only you know with their with their skill set, but also with their attitude. And that attitude, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, that family attitude, is from Jody through the whole production team, through the whole crew, you know, yeah. if, you, if you came on board and you weren't willing to roll your sleeves up and crack on and be supportive and be chirpy every morning uh, and, you know, just, just do the best you can, you would, you would soon be different to everybody else. So, so, you know, thankfully yeah. we never had that any of those situations. So yeah, yeah. as slotted in really, really nicely. But if, yeah. if he ever asks, I want it to be known that I was nothing but dismissive of him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll I'll be sure to tell him. Thank you. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, as you said, the fantastic production team. I, I think I think it's probably been the the one. Con- cons- I mean, you, you can say what you like about about individual episodes. Obviously, everyone's got their opinions. Yeah especially Doctor Who fans, you know, we're, we're famous for those. Um, but, you know, I, I think since 2005, this, uh, the entire production behind Doctor Who and the, 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 the people that work behind the scenes have all been absolute shining lights. They, they all, they all from, from what I know of them and what we've yeah. seen on shows like Doctor Who Confidential, they're, they're just phenomenal people as well as being phenomenally talented. Yeah. Um, which is is lovely, and it's lovely to hear that from from you as well. Um, and obviously, you mentioned Jodie there, because um, this cast for for this series in particular. I mean, Doctor Who is never short of stars, but this cast that that you've you've been working with um, is an amazing group, an amazing group of people. Um, what was it like being on set day to day with them? And I know that you said obviously that the, the uh, that, that, that it always felt very safe on set, which is is great. Um, obviously, did that did that mean that people opened up a little bit more? And I imagine people were quite excited to be back on set after after the the, the horrible time that was lockdown last year. So, what what was the the buzz like on set amongst the cast members? It, it was a strange one, wasn't it? I, I mean, I think for me personally, I, I you know being part of the team that helped that helped make it COVID safe, I was 100% satisfied that we'd done that. Obviously the cast, the crew coming back, they hadn't seen the work that we've been doing behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so we very quickly brought them up to speed on what, what, 
what measures we were taking, what we expected from them, um, what support they were going to get. Um, so it was like, you know, your, your first day, your first day back to school when you've maybe moved up a class and you sort of poke your head around the door a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm a little bit excited mm. as well. And, yeah. and, and, then, and then, then the minute you realise everyone's safe, um, you were fine. And we, I mean, because we've all known each other for, you know, uh, you know, for three years, it's like someone asked me the other day what it was like working on Doctor Who. This is the thing, Josh. Imagine you're eight or nine years old and it's Christmas morning. Do you remember that buzz you used to get when you uh, the excitement's like so palpable? You, you you sort of run downstairs at six o'clock in the morning and you run into your front room, but it's not the front room, it's the TARDIS. And it's you're not your nan and your, your you know your folks there. It's Jody, it's Az, it's Mandip, it's you know, it's Coidy, the, the you know, the camera operator. It's all your mates that you, whose company you genuinely enjoy being in. And Christmas Day doesn't finish uh, at six, seven o'clock because it starts again the next morning. You get to do yeah. it all again. So yeah, we were all super excited to see each other. We were super excited with you know with the guest characters that were coming on board. Uh, we were super excited to see some of the sets that, that you know that, that, that the fantastic art department have put together because yeah. you actually feel like you're in your you know you're down underground in Williamson's tunnel or you're on board a steamer. Um so yeah but but at the same time we had to make sure that we maintained all the COVID protocols uh, and we had a lovely uh, a lovely fella on on set with us, Andy, uh, our medic with an extendable stick to make sure that we all stay two metres apart where appropriate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lovely, lovely. Um, and I, I imagine, I mean, it's it's. Was there? Was it was because I, I I imagine in terms of, of filming wise. Was was Jodie aware that this was like her last full series? Because I'm aware that also I believe that all of these were filmed. Was it was it pretty concurrently with with the specials that are coming next year? Was it all sort of done in one chunk, or was there was there a gap in between? Um, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I don't know whether whether Jodie was aware. Was was there an an air that that this would be like nearing the end of her run or? Were, were, were you not really aware of, of that decision at the time? No, to be honest with you, Josh, I, that wasn't something that 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 I was necessarily aware of, and that's not that's not a negative thing. You know, my mm. my focus was on you know on reading all six episodic scripts, making sure that I understood the story, uh, the stories that the six episodes were were, were telling. Um, uh, I never had any indication from Jodie or any of the team where she was in her life cycle, and, and I, you know, and I, I read news as it broke at the same time that you would have done. And for yeah. that reason, as a fan of television, as a fan of the show, I am not going to any screenings of any of the specials. I haven't read any of the scripts. I don't want to know anything about them. I want to sit down yeah. in front of my television and oh, I want to watch them and enjoy them at the same, same way that every, the, the rest of us will. Yeah, that, that's lovely. I'm I'm very excited for them, especially, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for, for this year of Doctor Who. And then obviously beyond that as well, you know, Russell coming back, yeah. it's it, it's a very exciting time to, to be a Doctor Who fan. Um, but it, it's lovely to hear that obviously you want you you know you you want that that context and you want that that yeah. that experience as a fan. That's that's lovely. Um 
I mean, what what we'll do now is um, we, we're going to take a, a very short break. Um, but when we come back, we've got the 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 little the little matter that is that the return of the DVD collection um, to to see what episode you would you would like to enter to the DVD collection. Yeah. with Pete Levy uh, for uh, a return to a wonderful segment that we have on the show, which is the DVD collection. By the power of Greyskull. The Unicorn and the Wasp or Love and Monsters? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. So Pete, uh, it's the DVD collection. Um, obviously, we all know the rules by now, but it's it's a, a collection of quintessential Doctor Who episodes um, that are submitted by our guests. I mean, uh, just briefly, what what episode have you chosen, and and what are your what are your reasons why? I felt that I could choose any episode from 11, 12 or thirteen series that I've worked on, but I thought that would be unfair, um, so I would pick one that I had no hand in at all. Um, and for me, it would be Vincent and the Doctor. Oh, a lovely pick, a lovely, lovely episode. Um, one of my one of my favourites of, of the Matt Smith era. Um, what, what is it that, that's drawn you to that one particularly? Because obviously there's a lot to pick from um, across all of Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know what I think? I mean, it was written by Richard Curtis and, you know, at this time of year, we're even more fans of Richard Curtis than any other time of the year, maybe. Um, I'm, you know, one of my passions is, is art and painting. Um, I've been to the Van Gogh Museum a, a couple of times and, you know, that that feeling that you get, wouldn't it be nice if if someone who didn't know in their lifetime how much joy uh, um, and beauty they brought into the world if we could just show them that from for a moment and I think and I think that's why I particularly love that I think in particular the scene when the doctor and uh, um, and Amy take Vincent in to meet the museum curator that the soundtrack the camera work mm -hmm. everything about it even from a practical point of view you know watching the essays in the background oh it's just sublime and i think you know the tears in vincent vincent's eyes if we could do that to anyone that's been wronged or hasn't realized how appreciated they will become that's what i would i would like to do and as a result of that episode my son who was who was young, uh, he must have been nine, ten at the time. We went to a gallery, not his, uh, obviously not his favourite thing to do, but he but he, he glanced across and there was, on the wall was hanging a version of Vincent van Gogh's Sunflowers and he ran towards it with absolute abandon and then stopped in front of it and looked around expecting to see the Doctor or Vincent 
and and I think for you know for that moment, Doctor Who it just hit the spot for me. Yeah, oh, that is that is absolutely lovely. Yeah, it's 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 one of the it's one of those episodes. It's it's consistently at you know the the most the most emotional moments in, yeah. in Doctor Who and yeah, Richard Curtis and Doctor Who just works. It just works, and and I'd I'd love to see it again. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him return but yeah fantastic fantastic pick um, and I mean now uh, we've just got a, a few questions uh, we're, I'm afraid we're, we're not going to have time to get through everybody but if because a lot of people were very very interested in chatting to you um, but hopefully all of all of your questions have been answered if, if I don't get around to you um, but it's time to to go on over to the hellscape that is bloody <laughs> Twitter. For God's sake! Bloody Twitter! Uh, so, bloody Twitter. Um, in in no particular order, I mean, the, the first question is from a very dear friend of the show, someone who's been on a, on a, on a few times. It's George Sheard, at GB Sheard on Twitter. Um, he said, is there anyone notable, either in front or behind the camera, that you loved working with on Doctor Who and would kill to work with again? Wow, George, great question. Thank you so much. I, I mean, I, I mean, I remember Jody saying this to me once, there's not one single person that we don't like on the show in front of mm. or behind the camera. And that includes the production team, you know, uh, our location managers. I would, I would love to work with any of them again. Um, uh, anyone in particular anyone in particular that would mean anything I mean Ray Ray you know I've mentioned them before Ray's uh, Ray and Simon and and uh, Brady and the, and the 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 costume team superb Claire and her makeup team superb um Danny Marie and the prosthetics team uh, they're all you know really lovely and amenable and, and they put so much effort in uh, you know under difficult circumstances I suppose in front of the camera apart from the main team which clearly I'd work with again at the drop of a hat loved working with Kevin McNally loved working with yeah. Craig Parkinson Craig Ells funny people um and and absolute professionals but not but nice people as well so yeah any of them sorry Josh that's a bit a pretty, you know, broad. No, no, that's that's fine. That's fine because I think it's it's sort of what we'd expect with what what we know from uh, yeah. from this production team. You know, they're they're all they're all fantastic. Um, the the next question is from another friend of the show, Ben at Real Enthusiasts. Uh, he's asked, "Who was the biggest troublemaker on set?" And he, he has also said, just to make things more difficult. Uh, Jody, Mandip, and John are off the table. Um, wow. So, other th- other than those three, um, who would you you see as the, the biggest troublemaker? Well, you've probably um, another f- fabulous question. I mean, you've probably taken you know a couple of the biggest troublemakers off the table <laughs> or, 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 already. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's like a- any sort of group of mates that are working together. There is what gets you through long days when you're having to shoot scenes over and over again, sometimes in torrential rain or it's freezing cold as it was up in, up in Liverpool. Um, you know, it's that banter that get, that gets you through. I would nominate, we had a lovely lad called Matty Island, who was part of the props team. Um, he had that, you know, sometimes you meet those people that just looking at their smile, uh, just starts you giggling. Uh, Matty had an infectious laugh. There was, 
I remember there was one occasion when our grip, um, uh, sorry, our gaffer um, was wearing a yellow T-shirt. He wore a yellow T-shirt on set. Uh, um, unbeknownst to him, for a good couple of hours, uh, he was walking around with a, um, a sign on his back, which just simply said, Butlin's Staff. <laughs> <laughs> which we which we know was Matty's handiwork. So yeah, it will be Matty. Matty, ah, well, I I hope to have Matty on the pod one day. If he ever wants to come on, that'll be an absolute <laughs> hoot, I'm sure. Um, and I think we've got time for just one more. Um, I'm going to go to uh, ooh, who am I going to pick? This is this is always a tough one. I've got all of these questions written down, written down, and they're all they're all fantastic. Um, we'll, we'll go to Oscar Groucho's, um, who is a, a good another good friend of the show. Um, he said, you produced the show at a unique time in its history, COVID-19 presenting it, it, its own set of challenges. Uh, Doctor Who has throughout its history proved boundlessly creative when against the odds. Um, but what lessons would post-Flux Pete tell his younger self at the beginning of his Who journey? Wow. Oscar, great question. It's, that's yeah. really made me... That's always, really... always... E- eloquently put as well from uh from oscar yeah oh, oh, okay I, I think i might have outlined a couple of the you know a couple of the sort of covid related issues that we that we had to deal with but if i had to tell myself it would be just try and enjoy it even more if that was possible we were all a little bit um a little bit dubious but as everyone would have been going back to work yeah. but i think just love it and enjoy it and appreciate that it's a massive adventure not only that it's a massive honor working on a show like doctor who with the fantastic um, viewers and fans that we've got so yeah just relax peter just enjoy it mm-hmm. yes that's some that's some lovely lovely advice um well that that's it from from bloody twitter thank you to everybody who got in touch um you're, you're all marvelous and i i think as, as we come nearer to the end of the show, I think it's only fitting that we take a little stroll down everybody's favourite corridor and we have a little look and see who Pete would like to enter to the corridor of fame. Have you ever been limited by who you were before? One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Our lives are different. I have the right to some people's small, beautiful events is what life is all about. It's an anniversary compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really powerful. Every great decision creates ripples. Like a huge boulder dropped in a lake. When it was a child, this dream that made you adopt it. You dreamt you could no more. So, uh, without further ado, 
um, obviously the, the the corridor of fame. If if this is your first time listening, I know that some people might have 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 jumped on during the the, the hype train of flux. Um, the corridor of fame is a collection of people submitted by my guests um, who just get a little bit of extra recognition here, and and they get get their portraits hung up on a metaphorical wall in a metaphorical corridor as a legend of, of Doctor Who, basically. Um, so who, who, would, who would you, in these circumstances, Pete, submit to the corridor of fame? I think that's really easy. And I tell you for why, Josh, I think, I think the reason that we are collectively as fans of the show, so collaborative and so supportive of each other, which is very evident from Twitter and other social media outlets, is because Doctor Who champions those of us that try hard, we are supportive. It doesn't matter if you're different in any way, shape or form. There's always a place for you. And I think for that reason, I would put uh, certainly Waris Hussein, who was the original director of Doctor Who back in 1963 and the first director of Asian descent on British television, a groundbreaker, um, I would put him there uh, and, uh, and I would also put Verity Lambert, who was the original producer back in 1963, the first female producer on British television. And hopefully we're not there yet, but, but starting that journey of getting more diversity in front of and behind the camera. Uh, but back in 1963, wow, didn't they start it off? Yes, beautiful. And I, I think... I think you're right. I think you can. You have to put these two in together. I think they they've got to both go in, yeah. and I think they're they're two people that are. I mean, when I when I started this this podcast and um, when I started the Corridor of Fame, I I looked at obviously Warris and Verity. I, I looked at everyone who was there at the beginning, and I thought, I know you're going to get there. You're going to be in it at some point. Yeah. So that's fine. And I know someone's going to going to put you in um and I'm very happy that that you have I'm very 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 happy that that you've you've put them both in because I mean what what more can be said they they are the reason we're all here they're the reason yeah. I've got these silly little Daleks on my shelf they're the reason there's a blue box behind me they're the reason why I sit and I talk to to people about this yeah. wonderful brilliant daft program um and I, I mean, I don't think any of us can can thank them more. No. Um, I mean, a f- absolutely fantastic choice, fantastic choice. Um, and I mean that 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 brings us really to to the end of the show. Uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you because you know Doctor Who Flux, as I said, has been such a welcome addition to this this universe it's been yeah. such a welcome installment of doctor who i feel like it's exactly the kind of doctor who that we needed that after after this mad couple of years um and just as someone who's who's helped bring it to life obviously i know that the production team and the cast are are massive and you know if i was just if i was able to sit here and chat to every single one of them individually um, I mean, I will. I will if they want to. <laughs> if they want to come on, I'll do it. Um, I will sit here for hours. Um, but for now, I've got you right here in front of me. And I want to say, for
from me and from everybody else who's enjoyed Dr. Who Flux. Thank you for making this oh, happen. Bless you, Charles. Thank you for, for bringing it to our screens. And I do have one last question. Yeah, one on. last question, which I ask everybody <laughs> at the end of every single episode of, of Who Knew, of the main show. It's been a while. As I said, it's been, we've not done this since, since like October, but we're back. And I have to ask you, in a sentence, what does Doctor Who mean to you? Doctor Who means to me that anything is possible, wherever you are, whoever you are, and whoever you're with. That is beautifully put. Absolutely beautifully put. Um, thank you. Thank you again for coming on. Um, before, we go, pleasure, before, before we go, before we go, I mean, where, where can people find you? Um, and if there's anything that you want to uh, talk about that, that's coming up for you um, or anything, go ahead. Oh, bless you. I really appreciate, uh, you, you know, your engagement with, with, with the show, with the fans as well, Josh. It, you know, I've listened to the show before. It's funny. It's it's engaging uh, for those odd one or two people that that feel it necessary to make not always positive comments. We will continue to ignore you. Um, so I've swapped what I've swapped the doctor for lots of doctors and nurses and paramedics and porters, and I'm now producing a couple of episodes of Casualty, which I am loving. Um, I so I would quite like the, the camera to, to turn to one doctor as he peels his human face off and we see a Silurian um, uh, Silurian <laughs> under skin but I don't think I would, I would be able to get away with that um, I don't know if they'll let you have that but you know maybe you can maybe you can sneak up a ting in the background or, or something that, that'd be wonderful <laughs> um yeah i'm on uh, you know i'm on on uh social media i'm on instagram i'm on linkedin i'm on twitter p underscore levy um i will post you know photographs as they crop up on my timeline i will keep uh, uh, posting about you know adventures in tv um if anyone's looking for advice or guidance or job opportunities or whatever i always reshare re those um but, but if that's where you want to go, never, ever give up. Um, if an ex-squaddy like me can do it, then anyone can, can, can do it. But, but yeah, please reach out. I'll always be very happy to, happy to engage. Yes, lovely, lovely. And, um, of course, the podcast, the main show, is now back. Um, I don't know what's coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully, I'm working on a Christmas special. I'm, I'm trying to make something happen, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But there will be more Who Knew every single week, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube, uh, where you get video versions of the podcasts like this, if you are watching us. Um, please like, share, subscribe, send it around to your mates if you can. Uh, I, I, I love hearing people listening to who knew and, and seeing people like seeing maybe at the top of people's Spotify wrapped. That is very, very weird, but it's absolutely <laughs> lovely. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at who knew podcast on Instagram, who knew do pod. No, I've not updated it yet. I'm still so far behind on that, um, but I will sort it out. And you can subscribe to us on Patreon um, where you can get loads of rewards, early access to content where possible, early uh, guest announcements. You can get discounts off our merch store as well. You can buy a lovely Who Knew t-shirt. Um, so that's that. And, and 
thank you again, Pete. I've said it a few times, but thank you again for coming on. It's been lovely chatting to you. Pleasure. Thank you. And I'll see you all soon. Big thank you to all of our patrons and a massive shout out to Alfie Innes and Cal King. Thanks for listening to Who Knew, a Doctor Who podcast. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts and now on YouTube. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you can as it really helps us out. And a massive thanks to the Sononauts for lending their cover of the Doctor Who theme to be the theme for the podcast.